Today's episode of Beyond the Rut is sponsored by Capshow, which is the ultimate AI content marketer for entrepreneurs who podcast, vlog, or live stream like yours truly. Stay tuned throughout this episode to discover more ways you can use Capshow for your content. For now, let's get straight into the episode. So what do you do when you want to travel the world, photograph it, capture video of it, and write about it when you don't even own a camera? That's the story of Eric Giuliani, and we're going to share it with you in this episode of Beyond the Rut. In just a moment, Eric's going to join me with Brandon as we ask him about how he came to that decision point to leave his corporate job that was high-paying and somewhat secure to travel the world without using a single airplane. How did he prepare for that? When did he finally get that camera? How did he learn to use it? And... What was it like being six foot nine, traveling the world on buses, railroads, and cargo ships? So stay with us and let's hear about how Eric Giuliani is pursuing his dream and making his own path. Hey, everybody, welcome to episode 52 of Beyond the Rut. I am here, still Jerry, and I still have with me Brandon Cunningham, the host of the show. Brandon, how are you doing? Pretty good. Thanks for not getting rid of me. I know. I, well, I try, but apparently not enough people are signing the uh, the petition on petition.org. <laughs> petition.org. That's always good to know. <laughs> hey, it, it almost worked for uh, Jody Mayberry as he tried to get Jared Easley's show from him. Uh, in any case... Besides me picking on you, we've got a, a wonderful guest on right now. He's traveling back in the United States. His name is Eric Giuliani, and you're looking at me like you thought I forgot his name. No, I, <laughs> I did not forget his name. Uh, Eric Giuliani, he's from the website TravelTall.com, and this guy is traveling the world without using airplanes or jets. Awesome. Yes, and uh, <laughs> so, Eric, how are you? <laughs> I'm good. Thank you guys so much for having me. It's really an honor to be on. I appreciate it. I think it's so cool that when we caught up with you, you're in Phoenix, Arizona, right? I am, yes. Uh, <laughs> it's a little City warm. It's, a, it's about 115 degrees out, but I'm happy to be here. <laughs> that is awesome. As Forrest Gump would say, it's whole, it's whole another country. <laughs> now, I like to always ask our guests a little icebreaker, so we'll those of us who are listening right now get to know you a little bit more and of course just getting to know your stories enough however I, i'd like to have fun with this so if sure. you and brandon are ready here we go let's do it since you travel obviously this is a travel themed question <laughs> so we're in the future we have the ability to travel to any planet and visit any planet in our solar system without getting crushed or vaporized or anything like that. So we've got the technology. We can visit any planet, any moon we want. Which one would you go visit first and why? <laughs> oh, what a question. What an icebreaker. Uh, I would say Jupiter, I guess. I would probably pick Jupiter, um, and I don't know if I have a specific reason. I think that's one of the largest planets, so uh, because I'm a tall guy, I'm 6'9", <laughs> maybe that would give me the most room to kind of spread out and, and not be crammed in the back of buses and trains and things like that, so uh, I'll go with Jupiter. There you go. Awesome. <laughs> you, you could be the leader of Jupiter. You know, if you get there first at 6'9", you could just claim it. I I own right, this planet. I claim now. it. Sure, <laughs> sounds good. That's funny. I always wanted to just go to the moon. I want to see the flag and you know, kind of hang out at the moon and see Earth. I just figured that'd be fun. Go see it before some that'd other be a good tourist. View. 
Yeah. Before all the tourists get there and we build something there and mess it up. <laughs> Throw trash know. all over the place and kick the flag over. No. Exactly. What? It's a national monument. <laughs> okay. So well, Eric, thanks for joining us. Uh, this is just, just been really fun over the last, uh, week or so getting to know you through, uh, your YouTube channel and your website and Twitter and just, uh, finding out about you. Our, our great friend Sarah McDaniel suggested that we hook up and I could not be more thrilled by her telling me that because your story has just been phenomenal. I've, I've shared it with our student group. I've shared it with friends. I'm just like, you gotta watch these videos. This is unbelievable. And, and you can go find out all of that on traveltall.com, but we'll have that in the show notes and, and we'll definitely talk about that later on. But, uh, right now you're in the United States. So how did you get or where did you come from to get here? Well, that's a long story and I appreciate you guys checking out my website and the YouTube channel over the past couple of days. I really do appreciate that and all of the nice comments and things. Um, but basically, where I started was in Cape Town, South Africa, just about two years ago. And I crossed all of Africa using only public buses. So basically, any of the <laughs> local buses, anything that you could imagine stuffing about a 100 people into, uh, I've been in and crammed into those little buses in Africa. And that took about eight months or seven or eight months to get from Cape Town to Cairo. And Man, wow. I went basically up through the east side of Africa. Um, so I kind of did Sudan, Ethiopia, Kenya, Mozambique, and Malawi, and, and some of those countries. Um, and as I was going, I was kind of stopping, and I wasn't in a race, of course, so that's why it took eight months. So once I got to Cairo, I kind of just assumed that I would be able to go by boat from somewhere in Egypt, like Alexandria, which is a port, to somewhere in Europe. And what happened was, is once I got to Egypt, I found out that basically all ferries, all cruise ships, all cargo ships, anything that allows for passengers was basically canceled because there were some terrorist issues. <laughs> and so it was really affecting tourism. So I kind of ran out of real estate. There was no way to keep going. Um, so ultimately, I kind of had to go with plan B, which was to kind of cut through the Middle East, and I went through Jordan and Israel, wow, uh, and then once I got to Israel, I actually got a cargo ship from there to Europe, and wow. it's kind of a long story, but to make the long story short is then I basically went through all of Europe, and then I ended up getting to Moscow, where I took the Trans-Siberian Railroad, kind of a famous <laughs> railroad. I made the mistake of doing it in winter on a second-class <laughs> ticket. I was going to so say, you've got to go check out the video on the uh, the Trans-Siberian Railroad. That is that is not the most glamorous railroad in the world. Yeah, it sounds really romantic, <laughs> and people that love to travel, it's one of those things that's kind of on our bucket list, but um, I'll be honest with you, it was the longest seven days of my life. I was in a cabin um, and it was about negative 20 degrees outside and I didn't really have working heat so I was sleeping with like five blankets every night it was a really really rough part of my journey like travel wise and also kind of personally but also it ended up be, being one of those really like great kind of you learn a lot about yourself type moments as well 
Right. I um, love that story because you're six, nine traveling on all these buses and little <laughs> cabs and being stuffed into little places. And yet on a railroad, on the Trans-Siberian Railroad, which most people would say, well, that's supposed to be fun. That was your worst experience just right. because of the quality of it. You would think so. Exactly. You would think that would be kind of the best part. Um, and it's funny you say that because I, I, the, the buses in most countries in Africa, they don't leave at a set time. They only leave <laughs> when they're full. And oh, when I say yeah. full, I literally mean every <laughs> inch of space is full. I've actually had like a woman sit on my lap before. Um, I've wow. had live chickens under my feet. <laughs> I've had dead chickens in the seat next to me. Um, wow. It's funny. We pulled over. I wouldn't even call it a rest stop. Uh, but in Mozambique, the guy sitting next to me bought a bow and arrow through the window because somebody <laughs> on the side of the street was selling bow and arrows. So it's like, and you're crammed in with bow and arrows. And uh, there was actually, I'll be honest with you, there was two kitchen sinks on wow. the boat. So literally everything, including the kitchen <laughs> the sink, I sat next to. I love to. that. So if you run into Eric, don't ever start your story with, man, I had this one travel experience. No, I've got one better than you. Don't even start there. I think yeah. what's so great about your story is, you know, it, it sounds like, I know to the people listening, they're like, well, wow, he's some sort of world traveler and he probably grew up that way and his parents took him all over the world tell us a little bit about kind of where you grew up and and what caused you to decide that you were ready to start traveling the world because you you and if you look at the youtube channel and the website you're going to find out that eric was totally unprepared to do this but what led you from your childhood up to the point where you decided to travel the world yeah, sure. That's a, it's an interesting question. I grew up in a really small town in Pennsylvania called Coopersburg, Pennsylvania. And there wasn't a whole lot of diversity and a whole lot of culture in that small town, although it was a great place to grow up. Um, so as soon as I finished uh, graduate school, I moved to Hawaii and just wanted to kind of live a different lifestyle and kind of see what a you know, get as far away as possible, but still be in the still be in the United States. Um, so I had kind of traveled around after uh, I finished college, and basically what happened then is I decided to take a job, kind of based on my major, which was education. So I was working as an educational consultant for a pretty good educational software company, but the problem was is they actually gave us a script to memorize. And so <laughs> what I was doing was is I was going around to all the schools that were kind of in my project management area, and I would have to kind of recite the script to every school. And you kind of get confused because, you know, it's a pretty good paying job. You've got kind of a nice apartment and you've got kind of nice things and a car and all that. So you, it, it was really easy to get distracted at first. And so I didn't realize that I didn't like my job. It actually took a while. <laughs> I know that probably sounds. I, I think a lot of people hearing ridiculous. that totally identify with it. That's kind of what Beyond the Red is. It's like you're comfortable. Yeah. It, when you're comfortable, exactly. that's dangerous. It's very dangerous. And what was happening was is that when somebody would ask me if I liked my job, I would say all of the things that I liked and I realized like I liked that I got to work from home some days. I liked that I got, you know, summers off because it was in education. I liked that I got paid, you know, gas mileage for every school that I drove to. <laughs> I liked that I had a corporate company card. And what I realized was is like none of those things are the actual act of doing the job. You know what I mean? Like I <laughs> yeah. just didn't know. Like do I like standing up and reading, not reading, but memorizing a script and reciting it? No, I actually hated that. 
but I didn't even know it because right. I was so convinced that I liked all these other things, which were mm-hmm. kind of the perks, but oh, that's yeah. not the real job. Right. And sometimes that's the case where you're like, well, we, you know, I, my, one of my uh, boys worked at a uh, Outback Steakhouse and he's like, but we get free food. I'm like, but the job is horrible, but you get free that food. So you're exact, like, I'm okay yes. with it. <laughs> that is exactly it. That is the perfect, perfect analogy. And I was okay with it. And then it really got to be where it was just everything. And if you guys ever watch episode one on my website, it was really like everything started to be black and white. And there was really no color and creativity in my life. And so that's when I really made the decision. I was like, okay, everything in life is a choice, right? So let me figure out what is it that I really want to do with my life. And so I really thought about it. And I basically took a three month leave of absence. And I spent all the money that I had and I went around to all the places that I'd ever wanted to travel to. I went to India, I went to Indonesia, I went to Thailand, I went to Europe, uh, to Peru, and I spent all of my money in three months. And when I got back from my leave of absence, I was like, oh my gosh, there is no way I can ever go back to that stale, (laughs) scripted job because I've just really seen the kind of the world explode into color. And how do I now get back to that, right? Right. And that's not an easy thing to do. (laughs) It wasn't an easy thing. We had somebody on a a while back, Jamie, uh, that described it as like checking yourself back into prison. You know, it's like I've been let out, but I'm going to voluntarily go back in and shut the door. Yeah. Yeah. And you, you... it was really difficult, and it's funny because I took a three-month leave of absence from my from the company that I was working with, and right when I got back, they actually said, oh, you know what? We're not going to honor the leave of absence, and I was thinking, oh, no. Oh. I was actually thinking, well, I was thinking, oh, no, and oh, yes, because I was thinking, oh, yes, because... Oh, thank God, because I could never go back there anyway, because it's just like, how could you do it? And then, of course, there's the, oh, no, which is, okay, I now am, I literally have just spent all my money, and I have no job, and now it's, oh, no. But for whatever reason, I was really at peace with that decision, and I was really happy with it. And I think people were worried, especially my mom and my dad. They were like, well, what are you going to do for money? And I was like, I, it's, I just had this feeling, you know, after you go around the world, and you fly to all these incredible places, you really, it gave me a totally different perspective on life. And I was like, it's just going to work out. I just have this really good feeling. And so that's when I came up with the idea to start, you know, traveltall.com. The problem was I didn't know how to build a website. (laughs) And the other big problems were is I wanted to not just travel around the world without using airplanes, but I wanted to be as creative as humanly possible because my job was so routine and so boring. <laughs> I was like, I have something in me now that needs to get out. And so I came up with the idea that I I didn't just want to travel, but I wanted to write, I wanted to film, and I wanted to photograph it all. And so here's the other problem. I didn't even own a camera. I didn't know <laughs> I the that. first thing about photography. I didn't know the first thing about filming. And I've documented this on my website. I didn't know the first thing about writing. And I was actually a really bad English student growing up in school. And I basically passed English with D's and C's right. my entire life. I love that. And, so, and, and real quick, I want to catch, uh, yeah. I want to catch people up with a little perspective here. So how old are you at this point? When I came back from that around the world journey, I was about 32. I was 32 years old. So 32. So how long had you done kind of the corporate gig of just memorizing and reciting? So that was about four years to five years of the corporate memorizing and okay. reciting. 
Because I'm thinking a lot of our audience is thinking, but yeah, I've got that job. I've got the car. I've got the card. I've got the expense yep. account and, and I'm safe. I've got medical insurance. Everything's good. And you want me to quit and just go live my life. And, and I think the, the real crux to the story is, yeah, you're only here for a few years, you know, 70, 80, 90 years. Go live it. Go do something cool with it. And, and you are about 32 years old and you decide, you know, I don't want to, I don't want to die like this. I don't want to live to be 40, 50 years old doing this job anymore. That is so true. But I think the biggest thing is like people don't know and myself included at the time, right? People don't know what their dream is. They don't know what they're passionate about. I think we do when we're kids, but I think it kind of get, gets lost along the way as we kind of grow up and go through adulthood and get bills and degrees and diplomas and all of that kind of thing. Yeah, we get and I think what happens. Yeah, I think what happens is people don't really know and recognize what their dream is and what their passion is. And I love what Elizabeth Gilbert said because she's the writer of Eat, Pray, Love. And, you know, that's what my my initial trip around the world was basically her advice, which was I followed my curiosity because I didn't know what I wanted to do. I just knew that it wasn't <laughs> memorizing this script, right? I so I flew everywhere, spent all my money, and she said, and, and I actually did this. I only heard this quote after I got back, so I kind of did this subconsciously. But she said, you know, follow your curiosity if you want to find your passion because ultimately – even if you don't figure out what your passion is, you will have lived a life doing things you're curious about and things you're interested in, which is still an incredible way to spend your time here. Luckily for me, I did follow my curiosity and it opened up all these doors within me, which then led me to my passion. But had I not taken the risk to just kind of go and travel and just to figure it out as I was on the fly, I wouldn't have ever figured out what my actual passion was, which is what I'm doing now. Stay with us. We'll be right back. And now let's talk about how you can use Capshow to repurpose and market your content. If you have a business like me, you can upload your cornerstone long-form content, like podcast episodes or YouTube videos, into Capshow, and it will create all your content marketing assets for you. And here's the coolest part. Capshow is more than just a robotic AI tool. It's a powerful blend of artificial and human intelligence designed by marketers to help you organically reach more of the right people on more platforms. Go to beyondtherut.com slash capshow, that's C-A-P-S-H-O, and start your 14-day trial and see for yourself. Now, back to the show. One thing about Eric that really impressed me. So Eric shared with us that he wants to be a writer. He wants to be a videographer. He wants to be a photographer. Didn't even own a camera. Now, Eric, my understanding is that you went and took a class on photography without yep. even owning a camera. Can you tell us how that experience was on the first day of class? Yeah, it's so funny because when I decided I wanted to change my life, like I said, I didn't know how to do any of these things and I didn't have a job. And so I gave myself one year to learn as much as I physically, humanly possible to learn about cameras, photography, and all of that stuff. But it's funny because if you go to buy a camera and you don't know anything about cameras, <laughs> it is like the most confusing thing you've ever done, right? It's like you're, you're speak, somebody speaking Chinese to you. And so I went to buy a camera and I was like, I don't even know what camera to buy. Yeah. And so I ended up going to this photography class without a camera because I was so, so scared to waste my money and buy the wrong, the wrong one. 
So I showed up to uh, to this photography class with an iPhone, and everybody had these really nice $3,000 cameras. I love that. And I was just sitting in there, and you know, and, and to this day, I always, I always talk about this, but it was like I really decided in that moment that, like, this is going to work, that I'm going to be the one in this room that that becomes the photographer. And that's no disrespect to those other people, but it was just in me. Like, I, I right. can't really explain it, but I had just decided... And it was as simple as that. Like, I just decided, like, this is going to work, even though I don't own a camera. And as we'll get to a little bit later, you know, I think it is working to some extent. And I did eventually buy a camera. But it was funny. I went through the entire six-week course without a camera. And then I actually (laughs) went through the – they had, like, a a level two course that I went through also without the camera. And luckily, I became friends with the teacher. And then he was able to kind of coach me and and help me find and buy the right camera and the right lens, which ultimately it worked out to my advantage. (laughs) I love that because when I was watching that video and and hearing that, I was just thinking – uh, my daughter, who's 15 now, but about two years ago, decided to play the guitar. And I went to a guitar center, a major store, and uh-huh. and I said, I need a guitar. And, of course, you know, they have like 10,000 guitars. And what kind? <laughs> I have no idea. I know nothing yeah. about instruments yep. or music or anything. <laughs> that is just, I love the fact that you said, I don't know everything. I don't really know anything. But I'm so driven, and I, I know this is in me. I can't mm-hmm. not do it. And I think a lot you know, of our I listeners think that, are thinking that. It's like, how did you get to that point? It's like, well, I just couldn't sleep. I couldn't couldn't work anymore. I got to do what you know is inside of me. Yeah, and it got to that point like where I have to do this. But it also, too, is one of those things where you can either look at all the obstacles, right? Like, I don't own a camera. I don't know what I'm doing. But then if you look at it the other way, like, look at all the room there is for growth. And I think that's what ha- what has happened to me since I was in that class. Like, the growth that I've gone through as a photographer is like leaps and bounds and miles and miles of, of growth just as a photographer. Not, I mean, obviously as a person as well. But if you think of how quickly and how much room there is to grow, Row, you know, kind of my trick is to not use any excuses, right? And that's what's really been my calling card this whole time is to turn every excuse into an affirmation, which is not easy to do, right? Because anytime I tell somebody what I'm doing, oh, I'm traveling around the world without using airplanes, they will tell me, and it's really funny because it's human nature, they will tell me all the reasons why they can't do it. And I'm just sitting there thinking like, that's that's amazing because I didn't ask you why you can't do it. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Uh, And you're telling me, and this probably isn't even their dream anyway, nobody else probably wants to do exactly what I'm doing, but I would never look at things from that perspective. Basically, that's my point, is I just wouldn't think of all the reasons why I can't do this. Sure, there's a bunch, and sure, we can talk about them now, but I don't ever dwell on them, and I really try to turn all of those excuses into affirmations, and I definitely mention that in some of the episodes that are on my website, so um, I would love for people to check them out if they get a chance. That's really important too for, for people that are listening to realize not everybody has your dream. Not everybody wants to travel mm-hmm. the world without effort. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I, I love my wife to death, but one of the things about her is she has no desire whatsoever to, uh, you know, camp. Camping to her is, right. is the equivalent of being homeless. You I know, feel just, your pain, man. Yeah, I feel your pain. Makes no sense whatsoever. <laughs> yeah. And I think for people listening, it's like, you've got to realize there are about 99% of the people don't have your dream. So that's okay for you to be yeah. different and say, well, I'm this way I'm doing. It. Well, that's stupid. You should not do that. You know, Eric, we've 
it's 2016. You can fly anywhere in the world, right? You can fly to other planets now. It's like, no, yeah. and, that's and not what honest, I want to like, do. That's, that's how I came up with my dream. Like I said to myself, okay, if there's anything I could do in the world, what would it be? And I honestly, I'm not sure if any other human being is doing this right now. I mean, I'm <laughs> sure there's people traveling over land, but I'm not using someone as a model. Like I don't think, I could be wrong, but I don't think there's someone else traveling across all, you know, all the continents all the oceans over land, but that's also writing about it and filming it and, you know, taking pictures in the same way. I could be wrong, but the point is, is that I really just said, okay, what is my dream? I'm not going to model it after somebody else's dream. I'm right. just going to be as authentic to myself as I can. And this is what it looks like. And so once I knew what it looked like, then I really turned that dream into goals. Because it can be so overwhelming with not owning a camera, being a bad writer. How do I figure out what those goals are and then really break them down into a to-do list? And then I just took that year where I gave myself a year to learn as much as I could. I took that year to go through that to-do list and I turned my whole living room wall into a big giant vision board slash to-do list. And I literally checked off by a camera. (laughs) get up every morning at six o'clock and practice with the camera, Um, you know, and go to travel writing classes, uh, read as much as you can. And I would write the books there. And every time that I finished the book, I would cross it off the to-do list, which was in my living room. So I really made my whole year, which it ended up taking two years to learn as much as I could about all of these things and building a website and managing and maintaining a website and building social media channels and trying to build a following. And all of those things started with literally the first thing on the checklist was open up an Instagram account, open up a Twitter account, open up a, a, you know, buy a domain name, you know, and it's like, you have to start with the very most basic things. And then you can work your way up that checklist. And ultimately, those checklists kind of funnel you towards your goals. And then that overarching dream is always there. I love that because so many people are hearing this and going, well, wait a minute, how do I even get to, you know, Mozambique? You know, I don't even know where it is, much less how to get there. And what you're saying is basically create the big dream. That's great. But then start to break it down into baby steps. It's kind of like, how do you eat an elephant? One bite at a time. So what did you do during that year or two that you were trying to put this whole dream together? How did you pay the bills? How did you pay the electric bill? Yeah, good question. So that's what so I had come back from from my first kind of around the world trip where I flew everywhere I wanted in three months and I came back to no job. And so I really didn't want to go back to work, but I had to because obviously to get started, I knew I would need some sort of cushion, some sort of money, and obviously this equipment is expensive. So I just gritted my teeth. I took another job very similar to the one that I had just left. And then I took a second job at night where I was basically teaching online because I have an educational uh, a degree in education. So I took two jobs and then that was to kind of pay the bills. But also I really started to to downsize. I went from one really nice one bedroom apartment to a small studio. And then I even downgraded from that small studio to an even smaller studio. So by the time I left for Africa, I was, I'm not exaggerating, I had no furniture, I was sleeping on an air mattress, and I was in this really tiny, not so nice studio apartment. But I was doing it to save money. I was working two jobs that I really did not like at all. 
And I was finding time to practice my photography and my film and all of that stuff early in the morning. I would get up before sunrise and I would walk to the beach. And that's where I would really kind of build this bond with photography, with my dream. And I would just show up every morning at six o'clock and I'd film the sunrise and I would just practice every single morning. And then once I would, uh, you know, finish the sun, finish filming the sunrise, I would work out really quickly on the beach and then I would go to my first job. I'd come home, go to my second job, and then I would finish the night practicing my writing. That's so important, too, for the people that are listening is just, you know, you've got to do what you've got to do, but you've got to make sacrifices if you really ultimately want to reach something. And then one thing that you said was you would just show up, you know, show up. Get so get up and be there. You know, you set that. You had a contract with yourself, essentially. You know, nobody was yeah. going to know if you showed up or not, but you would. You know, there's this great motivational speaker. I'm sure people know him. His name is Eric Thomas. And I always take one thing away from something he said. And it was he always said that. He says, get to the spot. And to me, get to the spot was get to the beach at sunrise because something is going to happen if you just put yourself in the position to let it happen, which even if I was getting there and I was taking bad photos, guess what? I was seeing a beautiful sunrise every morning (laughs) and I was, I was there alone and it was just this like really incredible, almost spiritual experience to be there every morning at the sunrise and I had never been like that my whole life. I had always slept in. I yeah. always slacked off. I always took classes that were uh, in college that started in the afternoon so I could <laughs> sleep because I wasn't passionate about those things. But once that fire was lit, I couldn't wait to get to the beach every morning at six o'clock, you know? And it was a, you know, that's the thing I was going to say. You, we mentioned sacrifice, but really, it actually wasn't a sacrifice. It was like I couldn't wait to downsize apartments. I couldn't wait to wow. get rid of my furniture. I couldn't wait to sell my car because I knew something bigger was, you know, building momentum within me, and it was really getting ready to kind of come out. And so I was really excited about all of those little steps, and I think that's a really big key if people are listening is you've got to really care about the details, but you've also got to enjoy them. I know people say you have to enjoy the journey, and that's, that's a really cliche thing to say, but like... I loved selling my car. I loved, I loved cleaning out my closet. The very first thing I did when I decided I was going to do this was to clean out my closet. And I thought that was such an important first wow. step because you're making room physically, mentally, whatever, for that new thing to kind of open up. And also less is more, especially in my case. Right now I live out of literally one suitcase and one bag where my camera equipment's in. So I have two bags and that's all I own on this earth. And it feels great. Like I feel really free. And for me, it's, it's much easier to kind of live that, that simpler life with less things. And neither one of those bags is a wheeled duffel bag, is it? No, the one is, yes, one, I do. Yeah. you got to watch the videos uh, to get the full story there. But Yeah, it's funny. I've went through about four duffel bags with wheels on them because, you know, Africa and Asia will just kind of eat the wheels up on <laughs> the bags. That video cracked me uh, up. I, I was like, that. he ditched the duffel bag. Awesome. I was going to say, when you yeah, started down yeah. this journey, how many of your friends, family, and just probably strangers or whatever thought this was the dumbest thing in the world you were such an idiot for for going off in this tangent and you're probably losing your mind or whatever you know i think i'm really grateful in the sense that nobody 
said that because I think they, <laughs> they could probably see, they could see the passion behind it. And even though at the beginning I couldn't really explain it to people, I think they still could kind of understand it. And I think that's really like the beautiful thing about enthusiasm is that it kind of carries over. Mm-hmm. Even if somebody is like a little hesitant with kind of what my idea is, I think that you can kind of override those things. So I was really fortunate in a sense that nobody ever, you know, said, oh, that's a stupid idea or you shouldn't do it. I think that it was really, it's one of those things that, you know, if it's meant to be, it can't be stopped. And I don't think, I think I have a small circle and I think people knew that, that are in my circle. And so Mm -hmm. I've really had a lot of great support, especially from my mom and dad who are awesome. And then, you know, from my close friends has been really great. And uh, your mom and dad, uh, do you have any brothers and sisters, any siblings? Or No, I don't. I'm actually an only child. Wow, so, that, that's uh, odd for an only child, and then your parents are not freaking out because you're traveling all over the place. To all these yeah, parents are freaking out, just not saying yeah, that. They exactly. do, sure. Yeah, I'm sure they, they say, miss she's me still a lot. A mom. And, um, yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So that is the one thing that can be a little bit hard sometimes is you miss the holidays and you miss birthdays and things like that. But, um, you know, they're really great about it. So I, I really appreciate that. So one of the questions that we had for you, and, and you know, we, we always try to ask some sort of formal questions, although we mostly want to hear the story. I think we is, threw half your script out the window, though. <laughs> oh, absolutely. It was worth it for this one. Is, is what, and this may be a really hard question, but what is the best lesson that you've learned? Uh, you know, I think, I think if I answered that, it, it's not going to be a conventional answer, but I think... I think the best lesson that I've learned is that it's really good to feel something. Um, Because when I was with my old corporate job, right, I didn't like it. And I didn't really feel anything. Like, um, Like I said, it was kind of that black and white and gray life where nothing is that vibrant and colorful. And I, and I think it's really good to feel something. And even if that means bad things, like this has not been easy. Going around the world, changing your life, learning all of these skills, I could rattle off. I'm not exaggerating. I could probably rattle off a hundred things that could have stopped me and they would have all been very justified, right. like including a terrorist attack in, in Kenya, <laughs> which is where I was. Another one in the Sinai Peninsula, which is where I was. Um, you know, I got stuck in Siberia. Um, you know, I could rattle off a bunch of different things that were bad that that could have stopped me. But I think like you just can't run from really difficult times. And I've learned that I've learned that it's okay to feel bad and to admit that you feel bad and to admit that when things aren't working. And so I get I guess basically the the bottom line is that I've learned to be honest with myself and my feelings. Because even when things are going wrong, if you can strip away all that judgment of oh this sucks, this is really terrible, whether it's good or bad, if you can get away from all that, you actually feel alive. And that's the difference between my current situation and my old corporate life. Like, I feel bad, and it's really good, because I'm feeling these incredible emotions, like the depths of these emotions that I wouldn't have normally felt. You know, I've gone through times where it's been really depressing, where I've been really sad. I had broken up with a girl, and it was heartbreaking. And so I've gone through all of these incredible emotions but I'm really, really grateful because at least I'm feeling those emotions that maybe don't feel so good at the time, but you can really feel them start to course through you and you really feel alive. And to me, that's been like the, the, the best lesson is to not, learn, uh-huh. to not run from the really, really hard times is that those can also be like the beautiful experiences and that that's where as a person, for me personally, that's where I grow the most. 
to me, that's what Beyond the Red is all about. It's like getting out there mm-hmm. and feeling something, being alive, right. feel that emotion. One of the things that uh, whenever people go to your website and they, they start to click on the videos, there's one uh, uh, video that I absolutely loved, and that was the China trip. And, and you talked about giving up. But then in Vietnam, something happened. And, but you never really talked about what happened there. You just talked about something happened. And so and if you don't mind, get into that a little bit about what happened there. You know, what made that a place where you wanted to give up and go home or, or do something different? And uh, yeah, kind of I, what your mindset was. Yeah, sure. I mean, like I said, there's so many bumps in the road, and it, it had kind of been on a on a string of really bad things that had been happening. Russia and China, and then into Vietnam, were really, really, really tough times, just personally and travel-wise. It was so difficult and so stressful, and nobody spoke English, and my camera was breaking, and, you know, I was just dealing with all of these really long, arduous travel days. Um, and, you know, and it's also kind of happened in Australia, so I'll kind of bring it up there, because basically, I think what happened is instead of, you know, really kind of complaining and focusing on the bad, I don't know, it was almost this magical thing where I really just became grateful for the whole experience, and I think that I had gotten away from that. Uh, I wasn't really grateful. I wasn't really nice and kind to people, and I think something just kind of clicked in Vietnam, and then also, especially when I got to Australia, and it was just like the gratitude for what I'm doing, and just realizing that I'm actually not trying to live my dream, but now it kind of flipped, and I'm, I'm living it, and it was just a really magical thing, and I think it all kind of just boils down to, to gratitude. But I mean like a genuine gratitude where I could actually physically feel it in my bones. And I think like I've really only had that experience maybe three or four times in my life, but when you get it, that's kind of like, wow, this is, this is like how you're really, really meant to live. And uh, it's just when everything opens up and everything becomes beautiful and everything is uh, perfect, even when it's not. And, and to me, I guess that was kind of the switch that, that hit at that time. Wow, that, that may be the best answer to that question <laughs> I've ever heard. That, that is really good. I love the fact that it's just so authentic. And that's what our, our, our listeners want to hear. And, and I, Jerry and I obviously want to produce is just stories of real authenticity of yeah. you know, what you went through. Uh, yeah. One question that, that I have that I know I'm going to be asked is, is why over land and not air? Yeah, I think there's three answers to that question because I've been asked that a couple times before. Is basically one is that I I love long road trips. I love to be in a bus or a train and to look out the window and to see the landscape. And I think to me that's just like the best way to travel. It's awesome because you see everything. When I went around the world five years ago, I had flown to different cities, and I feel like cities, although they're different, of course, they are somewhat the same. There's buildings. You've got your kind of your city center. You've got your church or your mosque or your cathedral or whatever. And, you know, cities for the most part are somewhat similar. But when you're traveling over land and you're going through and you're seeing this incredible sunset in the Sinai Peninsula that you would never, ever see otherwise, or you're, you know, in Uganda on the back roads and you see these incredible children running up to the bus. I mean, to me, that's what overland travel brings that you don't necessarily get all the time when you kind of fly in and out of places. And then also, too, I want it to be different. Like, I do have a travel blog, and I think a lot of people have a travel blog, and it's become a very popular thing. But, 
you know, I do want to be different. I do want to be unique. That's an important thing for me. And if I'm going around the world over land and somebody else is just flying place to place and writing and filming, to me, um, you know, maybe my story is a little bit more interesting. And it's also a challenge. Like, that's the third thing. Like, it's a really, <laughs> I, I actually didn't know. I had no idea it would be this hard. I, I don't know. Right. I, I don't know what I was even thinking before I left, <laughs> but I had no idea it would be this physically challenging there's 16-hour bus rides. There's seven-day train rides. Oh, I, was, wow. I was on a cargo ship from uh, Sydney to Oakland. That's how I got across the Pacific Ocean. Holy cow. So that was 25 days on a cargo ship. And wow. so I didn't expect it to be so physically and mentally draining travel-wise. But the reward is those sunsets those incredible right. experiences and people you meet on the road. Um, so, yeah, I guess it's a long answer, but I wanted to, to see the whole world. I wanted to kind of stand out from other travel bloggers, and I, I thought it would be a challenge. It's funny because when I first started uh, watching your videos, I thought of uh, the fact that you were tall, obviously, you know, traveltall.com. But my oldest son is, he's about six 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 seven, about 280, 290, big, you know, football player. And uh, one time he got on a plane to go visit his grandparents up in Indianapolis. <laughs> he was miserable. He just thought, this is the worst thing ever to be on a plane like this. And I'm hearing yeah. your stories of being on a bus and stuff. And I just thought he would he would turn the bus over. He would lose his mind trying to travel like that. But I love yeah, the fact that the reward was bigger than the, you know, the, the punishment or whatever for going through that. Yeah, I mean, I can assure everybody that I'm never comfortable on any of the transportation. <laughs> like, it's not about comfort. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. So, you have motivation um, to yeah, get extra footage reward. and shots, huh? Yeah, six nine. Yeah, you're never comfortable reward, anywhere. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, it's never it's never a good thing. It's funny because my uh, my I only had I only travel with two pairs of jeans, and I was on a hike in Australia, and my jeans ripped. And it's one of those things where, like, when you're six nine, you can't just go to the store and buy new jeans. You exactly. know, that's so, what he is. So I understand. Yeah, you get stuck with whatever you know you're stuck with, and then you just have to deal with it. So I just kind of zone out on those long bus rides and and just really try to enjoy you know the process as opposed to the cranks. <laughs> so so what's coming up? Where are you, where are you going to go next? What what's your future? Yeah, plans? so I'm in Phoenix now. So I'm going to try to make my way across North America and probably head over to the east coast of the United States, um, and then I'm probably going to kind of loop down through um, maybe into Central America, and then definitely do all of South America, and then I'll have to cross the Atlantic Ocean and get back to where I started, which would be Cape Town, South Africa. So hopefully I can get back to Cape Town within, I would say, about a year, year and a half from now, and then that would complete literally all the way around the world. I would have crossed every continent. Um, I'm going to try to possibly get to Antarctica. I'm not sure how that's going to work yet. Um, but that would be all the way around the world. And hopefully it ends in a year and a half or two years from now. That's great. Well, if you make it down to Corpus Christi, you got a couple of places to stay. We'd love to have ah, you. Thank you guys. Yeah. Appreciate it. Uh, we'll breakfast tacos awesome. on us. Yeah, we'll breakfast tacos. <laughs> we'll, we'll show you the third coast, as we call it. You know, we're not the Atlantic Sounds or Pacific, but but we'll hook you up. As uh, we got, you got a place to stay if you ever make it down here. I uh, appreciate that, guys. Thank you so much. Yeah, I appreciate that. I would love to. Any uh, a last word of advice? Uh, anything you want to just tell people that maybe they're thinking, yeah, but 
I don't, I'm still, I'm not six, nine. I'm not super, uh, you know, confident. Oh, yeah. I, I don't have People, any of that stuff. What would your advice be? Right. Yeah. I mean, um, you know, I've, I've met other female travelers traveling in a similar way that I am. So it's not just because I'm a tall man that I can do this, <laughs> but just travel wise aside, I think, you know, the most important thing you can do with your, with your life is to really figure out who you are and to figure out what your dream is and then to pursue it. And so I would really just suggest to anybody, if you don't know what your dream is, to really follow your curiosity, like what Elizabeth Gilbert said, and just do all the things that you're interested in. Tap into what you liked as a child, because I think that has a lot of secrets in it, and that will hopefully open up some doors as an adult. And just do things and forget about how how you're going to make money. Like, I don't ever think about how I'm going to make money doing this, but yet money seems to kind of come in and find its way when I need it. So I think money tends to stop a lot of people. Um, and so don't worry about how you're going to make money doing something. Just worry about doing it and enjoying it because that's something you love to do. And then I would always say just really stick with it. Like what you said, I mean, you have to stick with it. There have been days where I haven't wanted to necessarily do this. There have been really rough times. I could have quit, like I said, a hundred times and every reason would have been justified and everybody would have welcomed me back home with no problem. But you have to stick with it and you have to get that extra gear, whatever it takes to dig deeper and get to know your true self. And, and, and that's really where, you know, the treasure lies. That, that is so good. Just, just pursue your dreams. Don't stop. So what's the best way to kind of get in contact with you, uh, support you, buy your stuff, kind of follow you? Sure. What's the best way to do yeah, that? Yeah, I would love to. I would love to hear from people that have listened to the podcast. I'd love to know what they thought. Um, so the easiest way is just to go to my website, which is traveltall.com. Um, and people can email me directly from there. Um, if you go to Instagram or Twitter, mine is just travel tall. And if people want to support me, they can always donate directly through my website, or they could buy the photos that I do sell through my website. Some of my better photos I have for sale. Um, so pretty much just remember travel tall and you can find that on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter. And then the website is just traveltall.com. That is awesome. And, and of course, the question that's on everybody's mind, are you any kin to Rudy? <laughs> no relation, no. It's going to say you have to get that a lot. Last name, right? I do, yeah. It's funny because you'll get like a you'll get like a random person in, you know, Malawi to ask you that, and you're like, wow, how did you know? You know? Wow, um, that's, that's so, yeah, it's pretty interesting. You know, I usually get, do you play basketball? But after that, it's, you know, are you related to Rudy? <laughs> I love the fact that you talk a little bit about being so tall in Africa and how big a deal that is because people see you and just think, you know, there's something different about you. Uh, it probably doesn't help that I have, I've, I actually haven't cut my hair since, um, since I started traveling. So I've grown <laughs> my hair from basically a buzz cut to it's down to my shoulders. And then I also added a tattoo on my forearm in mm -hmm. Thailand. So I literally walk around. I think people are scared of me at this point because I have <laughs> my hair. I, I look like Godzilla. Uh, so yeah, I say, dress in I black and are, put on an eye patch. Yeah. yeah, people run from me instead of to me, so I think I might need to change my uh, my attire. <laughs> That's awesome. Uh, thank you so much uh, for, for joining us. Uh, this this has been a blast. I mean, we could, we could probably go on for another hour, two hours. Uh, yeah. yeah, sure. Uh, I appreciate it, guys. It's been so much fun. I would love to come back another time, and um, I'll be listening in. 
I was going to say, the first thing we got to do is uh, come up with another time to bring you on here in a couple of months when you've been to a couple of places and just see where you are and what's going on. And I would and, love to. You know, just keep you as a friend of the show and, and, and follow you along. And so, it, again, I would just remind people, if you want to follow Eric, go to TravelTall.com and and connect with him in all kinds of ways and follow the videos and the photographs and and check out somebody who's living their dream but then most importantly go live your dream whatever it is and then let us know about that whatever you're doing we want you to be part of the story we don't want you to copy eric we don't want you to live just like eric just go be live your dream and then let us know what that is Thanks for joining us. And again, you can find those show notes at beyondtherut.com slash 053. We'll link Eric's website there as well as many other resources that were brought up during the last two episodes. Also, thank you, Sarah McDaniel, for referring Eric Giuliani to us. He was a great interview to have, and we, we just cannot thank you enough. So if you want to come on board and be our non-paid staff our volunteer staff who helps us find great talent because you just happen to know great people. We're all for that. Thanks again, Sarah. And we'll be back for the next episode of beyond the rut. You know, the best thing I love about cap show is that they have one of the best communities ever as a cap show and myself. I always get invited to masterminds with industry leaders to get the insights and marketing strategies that take my business to the next level. Plus, they love surprising and delighting us. Go to beyondtherut.com slash capshow, that's C-A-P-S-H-O, and start your 14-day free trial with the Capshow team today and join me inside that community.